Dominus Vobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secondum Marco. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth. But she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. Verbum Domini Please take a moment, make sure your cell phone is turned off. You've heard me mention it before. If someone arrived now or later in the Holy Mass, stayed even to the final blessing, they would not fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday. Why? What's that about? Well, the Gospel. We just heard. The Gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. It just can't be skipped. But after this Mass, we still have three other Masses. They could attend one of those. Turn to the schedule of Masses on page 4. And you'll see there that um, today, 496 years ago, um, Cortez of Spain was presented to Montezuma of Mexico. Cortez representing less than a thousand soldiers. Montezuma, 20 million Aztecs. Um, the, uh, the conquest of Mexico, those odds, um, Vegas would love those odds. The um, less than a thousand against 20 million. And so, uh, the November 8, 1519, um, is when this happened. I want you to think about it because um, um, exactly a hundred years later, so 1519, 1619, 1620, the pilgrims arrived. A lot of people think that the first Christians to get to, the, to North America were the pilgrims. By the time the pilgrims were shivering, and I love the, uh, by the way, I love the pilgrims, I really do. Uh, but by the time they were shivering during their first winter in Massachusetts, imagine that, somebody shivering in Massachusetts in the winter. But anyway, uh, there were already five universities in Mexico City of European standard. Uh, amazing. It doesn't count, though, because it's Mexico. As you know, Mexico is not part of North America. What? 
Yeah. Why is it that, um, up, I don't know, it's just maybe a bad education, but only about 15 or 20 years ago, I heard about this story in detail, and the book is there, listed on the cover of the bulletin, page 9. Up until then, this whole thing about Our Lady Guadalupe was just set up to me like the Mexican version of Little Red Riding Hood. One day, St. Juan Diego was on his way to Mass, and he met Our Lady Guadalupe. Um, the, uh, now there's incredible history. Incredible. In fact, 12 years before Our Lady appeared, this happened. This happened. So um, during those 12 years, there were about 200,000 baptisms in Mexico. We have records, excellent records. The, um, say, the 10 to 17 years after Our Lady, is, Our Lady appeared and God left us her image, over 9 million were baptized. Never in the history of the world have so many been baptized in such a short span of time. Um, such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Again, um, people never hear of this um, because they don't hear of this. The, um, anyway, page four. Uh, we had three hours of confession yesterday, three hours of confession today. You'll see tomorrow, um, uh, page five says, uh, Monday through Friday I'll be taking uh, this week off for a bit of rest. The, um, um, but look at those feast days this coming up Monday, the dedication in Rome of the Pope's Cathedral, St. John Lateran. There is not a St. Saint, saint John Lateran. It's the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist. Well, it's really the Cathedral of Jesus our Savior and St. John the Baptist. They call it St. John Lateran. Uh, Tuesday is the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great. Tremendous, tremendous saint. Uh, Wednesday is the Feast of St. Martin of Tours. It's also Veterans Day, our Armistice Day. Um, Rodney Stark, um, that uh, Baptist uh, historian from Baylor University, um, the, wrote that great book um, I mentioned last year. Last year was the centennial of the beginning of World War I, the Great War. His book, The Holy War. Um, and I, I still recommend it to you. You can see how the seeds... Of, uh, were planted then and they've come to bear their bad fruit today. Yeah. What a great, what a great uh, book. Anyway, uh, talk to your children about uh, Armistice Day or Veterans Day. Oh, really? It's, that's what Veterans Day is about? Oh, really? What's for lunch? What's on, what's on TV? Um, we don't get it across to them what, uh, what's the significance of Veterans Day. Um, and anyway, uh, Thursday is the Feast of St. Josaphat. What a great saint. Um, um, weeks before he was martyred, and it was a gruesome martyrdom, um, he exclaimed, uh, speaking publicly in Ukraine, um, would that I would die as a, as a martyr for Christian unity. A couple of weeks later, that's exactly what happened. Unity, Christian unity for St. Josaphat, Unity with St. Peter and his successors. St. Francis Xavier on Friday, Mother Cabrini. Sorry, uh, St. Francis Xavier, Mother Cabrini. And then um, St. Lawrence O'Toole on Saturday. Page 7. The, um, this book you've seen before, Witness to Mystery. It's, it's about the Shroud of Turin and the Holy Face of Montepello and a few other relics of Christ. It's a great text and great photos. The same two fellows um, have written a second book, which I just got yesterday. So I stayed up all night reading it. 
Uh, no, just kidding. The, uh, but I am going to. The uh, tremendous pictures and excellent text. It's called Trust in St. Faustina's Footsteps. This is uh, a great one to get for Christmas, either, either or both. Why? Because we're about to start a holy year of divine mercy. Um, I hear it being talked about as a holy year of mercy. No, it's not a holy year of mercy. It's a holy year of divine mercy. Um, mercy I don't need. Divine mercy I need. So do you. Uh, so, um, um, anyway, I recommend it to you. Uh, it would be a great uh, help for that holy year. And um, page 9 there, you can see uh, there's another book, um, Our Lady Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness, uh, Dr. Warren Carroll, who uh, wrote the book. He's also the founder of Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. Um, about, until about 15 years ago when I read his book, I had no idea the background, the history of Our Lady of Guadalupe and Cortez and the conquest of Mexico. The, um, and the uh, All Souls uh, Extended Novena, if you'd like to get in on that, there's still half a month left, uh, more than half a month ahead of us. The, uh, I still have not heard anything from the United Nations. I have made my ransom demands, a million dollars. Um, and if they do not meet my ransom demands, it will continue to rain and rain and rain. The, uh, you know, people talk down the United Nations. That's just, that's just too bad. I mean, just think of it. If we didn't have the United Nations, the Middle East would be in chaos and on fire, and China would be hacking into our personal computers, right? Oh, wait a minute, they're doing that, so why do we need them? Exactly. I might as well get my crazy um, request into the United Nations. I bet they give it to me because it's not their money. It's all our money uh, being given over to, well, don't get me started. Anyway, they, uh, they haven't met my demands, so I'm sorry. It's going to keep raining. A lot of rain. It's not my fault. I could make it stop. The, uh, okay. And again, after Mass, we have the, the, the relic, the first class relic of St. Maria Goretti. From the Gospel today, a poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid in the 1960s, there, were, there was this uh, doctor who published these books on how to raise kids. Essentially, they, he, he said to parents, you know, you're doing that wrong. So he wrote book after book, and the books were just flying off the shelves. He was very busy um, counting all that money and writing all those books. So he got, he got married later in life. Then he and his wife had kids, and he tried his theories on those kids, and guess what? They didn't work. Dr. Spock, this is before Star Trek. Um, so Dr. Spock, and, um, and when he saw that his theories had caused a lot of pain and trouble, and they didn't work. Dr. Spock gave all the money back to the people who bought his books. What, are you kidding? Um, no, he didn't. He kept it. That's a good intro, because here's a book, again, by that same professor down at Baylor University. He's a Baptist, and he's a professor of history. He's an excellent um, writer, too. Uh, it's called How the West Won. I recommend this to parents. There's a chapter in here I don't think kids should read, so now you'll buy the book just to find the chapter. 
Yeah, I know you. So um, he's got a book in here. He's got a chapter in here on what happened right about the same time as this. Um, I mentioned last Saturday and Sunday that um, Halloween, uh, 498 years ago, Father Martin Luther uh, nailed 95 complaints to the door of the cathedral in Germany. And he was a Catholic priest when he did it. And eventually, he left the Catholic Church and started his own church. Um, in this book, uh, Dr. Stark has, uh, um, um, goes through the records from Germany. The Germans never throw anything away, and they keep meticulous records. Um, so 1517 is when he started this. By 1525, these are the words of Father Martin Luther, now in his own church. Now he has skin in the game. Now he has his own um, congregations and has been teaching for a while. In 1525, Father uh, Martin Luther wrote this, Dear God, help me. Sorry, dear God, help us. The common man, he means the common man in the Lutheran parishes. The common man, especially in the villages, knows absolutely nothing about Christian doctrine. And indeed, many pastors, those are Lutheran pastors, many, many pastors are in effect unfit and incompetent to teach. Yet they are all called Christians. They're baptized and they enjoy the holy sacraments even though they cannot recite either the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, they can't recite the Creed or the Ten Commandments. They live just like animals. That's not my critique. That's the critique of Father Luther, Martin Luther. Um, and so um, he died in the year 1546. So they, they, they had the idea that they would send out examiners every year with a list of, uh, list, a list of subjects, and they would interview a lot of people. Um, the, uh, the, the examples given here represent hundreds of individuals, not one or two, um, hundreds of people. Um, the, um, in Nuremberg, when they went to Nuremberg, um, they um, interviewed people, and it was the comments were written, many there could not name Good Friday as the day of the year when Jesus died. Many could not name Good Friday as the year that the day of the year when Jesus died. The conquest of Mexico started on Good Friday, 1519, and they started walking. They started the first city. Um, it was called Veracruz, the True Cross. And they started walking to uh, this place. It was like Venice, but instead of being on the ocean, it was on a series of lakes. Very beautiful very beautiful city, and they had a, a great view from the top of that um, volcano surrounding Mexico City. The, um, the, um, so um, this, um, the conquest of Mexico started just two years after Father Luther. Um, Father Luther um, and the Lutheran Church, along with, say, Henry VIII later uh, in the 1530s, he started his own church, the Church of England, um, and John Calvin, um, um, millions left the Catholic Church as a result. Um, uh, during that time, from 1519 to 1531, 200,000 were baptized in Mexico. That's a great effort. 
it's nothing compared to the next uh, 10 to 17 years. Um, over, two, uh, over 9 million were baptized from 1531, when Our Lady appeared, uh, over the next 17 years. The, uh, uh, more than double who left the church in Europe came into the church in North America, but they really don't count because they're just Mexicans. No, they count. They, they, they do. Um, the, um, it's very parallel to what you see in the first reading today. These people were not Christian. And the, um, the uh, conquest of Mexico was uh, undertaken by people who were not perfect. Yeah, well, the, the, the men from Spain, they weren't perfect. You, you may recall that last week I mentioned that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the Holy Family, they were perfect. And my family, obviously, is perfect, but yours and the rest of the world, you're not perfect. That's ridiculous. This whole thing about the, the Spaniards weren't perfect. You think? You, you think? Uh, uh, it's, it's so trivial to, to say that. Yeah, it is true. There were abuses. It's called original sin. There will always be such, um, such things. Um, but the conquest of Mexico was an answer to a prayer. You see, they had um, about uh, 1480, just before this happened, 1480, they had a new pyramid in Mexico City. So, you know, you've got to dedicate those things. Um, so they, they did. Over a period of four days, they sacrificed um, 80,000 human beings, men, women, and children. At every inch of that rotten five-story pyramid was painted with human blood. Have a nice day. Um, the Aztecs were very strong, very intelligent, and such a high income tax. Um, you know what? Um, you know what they figured out was, if this is the income tax, then we're going to make sure other people pay it. Sounds like Austin or Washington, doesn't it? The um, so um, the Aztecs conquered the tribes around them, and there. From them came the majority of their sacrifices that were so numerous and so daily. You couldn't escape Mexico. The Aztecs had it sewn up. Uh, Gulf of Mexico, Pacific Ocean, too big. The jungles to the south, too dense. The mountains and deserts to the north, too great. Only a few could escape. Um, so where did they go? They went up. Um, they cried out and God answered their prayer. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, you look at the first reading. There's Elijah, and he's not in Jewish territory. He went to um, uh, Zarephath, and there was a pagan widow. Um, and Elijah extends the generosity of God to this pagan woman and her son. Um, Elijah says to her, please bring me a small cup full of water to drink. And then she lays it out. I'm just picking up some sticks to, to make some bread. And after that, that's going to be our last meal. We're going to die after that. Um, Elijah says, um, don't be afraid. Go and do as you propose. But first, make me a little cake and bring it to me. Now, she was a widow. But don't you think when she heard that, don't you think that when she heard that, she thought of her late husband? Oh, okay, okay, you're going to do that. Okay, before you do that, would you get me this? Give me a beer. <laughs> anyway, it, she, he probably reminded her 
um, of her late husband. But um, he, he, he pronounced a blessing over her. And this woman, who probably had said, can somebody help me? Can, can somebody help me? Saw in, in this man an answer to a prayer. And they, they had food for the next year. Here is this, in this gospel today, here is a, um, a, a, a woman, a widow, a, an old woman, who has um, given the money that she would need to live that day, um, all that she would have to live on for that day, and she put it in there, and Jesus was watching. Um, this woman, we don't have her name, but we have her now 2,000 years. We have her example. Jesus, um, Jesus gives us this woman as a model. He calls our attention to her. Very different, isn't it? From the man about six weeks ago. Young man runs up to Jesus, throws himself on his knees and says, what must I do to, it, to go to heaven? Jesus tells him, he gets up, walks away sad because he had many possessions. Very, very, contra- very much a contrast to this woman in today's gospel. When, um, when we think of the uh, conquest, conquest of Mexico. And friends, we really don't ever think of the conquest of Mexico. Uh, uh, the first veterans of North America? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The foundational, right? Um, less than a thousand, less than a thousand against uh, more than 20 million. It's amazing. Um, the, um, 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 when Cortez met Montezuma on this day in 1519. The, what did he do? He took him prisoner. What are you kidding? Uh, what are you going to do, Cortez? Are you going to surround us? Yeah, spread out, guys, over, around these 20 million people. They, they took Montezuma prisoner, and he made it stick. So they cooled their heels in a palace. Montezuma was their prisoner. Week after week went by. November the 8th, Next week, next week, next week. December 12, 1519, Cortez had enough of living in a palace. Oh, it was great living in a palace, but right outside his windows. And of course, they had windows, but no glass, so the sound could come in and everything else. But um, right outside his window was a pyramid. And they were, uh, continu- the Aztec priests were continually sacrificing little babies because they knew they were in big trouble. Going to have to pull out all the stops. You can imagine the moms and dads out there, along with the babies. This was a live human sacrifice. Cortez and his men took all they could, and Cortez got a group of men, volunteers, and he's follow me. They went to that pyramid around the corner, the, the pyramid of the rain god, the one that had been dedicated around 1480, you know, with over 80,000 killed over a period of four days. And there at the bottom, looking up those five stories um, or so, um, he told his men, he said, we must, we must risk something for God. And they ran up the steps of that, that rotten pyramid. Um, and they get to the top, they ran off the Aztec priest, they threw down the idols. The Franciscan priests who were with them cleaned the place. How'd you like that job? They cleaned a place, put up a, a new altar, and a Franciscan priest had mass there December 12, 1519, on, a, on an Aztec skyscraper in the Valley of Mexico. 
exactly 12 years later, Our Lady appeared and God left us her image. Um, She didn't leave us her image. God left us her image. She doesn't have a credit card. Um, Oh, here, I'm going to leave this with you. It's okay. It'll be on the credit card. No, God left us her image. From that moment forward, over the next 17 years, uh, over 9 million baptisms. What generosity. Think about it. You're living under the Aztecs. Um, I know it's kind of hard for us to to think of this, but pretend that the people who are in charge of this country are uh, unresponsive to us and what we want, and pretend that they tax us like crazy. Well, anyway, it's too ridiculous. But anyway, the the people who are living under the Aztecs, where could they go? They couldn't escape. They went up, and God answered their prayers. He answered their prayers, yeah, this way. And they prepared the ground for what came next. Um, Our Lady and her spouse, the Holy Spirit. Friends, um, look in the Gospel. Um, How is Jesus conceived and then born? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Lady is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's amazing. It's amazing. The, The generosity of God in answering the prayers of these pagans. Now, these were not just pagans. These were... These were human sacrificers, and they worshipped the devil for over a century under the Aztecs. But other than that, it was great. Right? Right. So um, think about, think about um, how, um, how we have been treated with such uh, incredible generosity, and how you and I, too, can call upon that, um, that largesse, that generosity at any time. Um, when, um, when Henry VIII, I mentioned him earlier, when Henry VIII made himself Pope of the Church of England, first thing he did, he got rid of purgatory. Oh, really? They're just like that. And then um, the next thing he said was, well, you know, uh, for centuries now, people have been setting aside money and lands for masses to be said for the dearly departed. Purgatory's done away with. You won't need that money. I'll just take that money and land. Yeah. Exactly. You see, purgatory, uh, purgatory is um, God's last act of generous mercy. Um, because anyone who's in purgatory is guaranteed to get into heaven. Um, uh, I pray that if... It, I don't mind being the last one in purgatory uh, to get to heaven, just as so long as I'm in purgatory. Because anyone in purgatory is guaranteed to, be in, to get to heaven. Um, the uh, Friday, Friday we were uh, in the Divine Office. We were reading the second book of Maccabees. Uh, second book of Maccabees talked about 200 years before this. The, uh, the a group of a small group of Jewish uh, men uh, raised raised are raised up and they take back their country from the uh, foreigners. Um, and as they're doing this, in one of the battles, um, some of the men get slaughtered. They go to bury the men. And it's from the second book of Maccabees, chapter 12. Um, they, um, they're lifting up their cloaks, and under their cloaks they find these big medals. Pagan medals. Uh-oh. Um, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no foreign gods among you. That was a very big sin to have on their soul when they died. So what did, what did the, the general do? He, uh, the men buried their slain uh, um, fellow soldiers. 
Then he took up a collection. He got 2,000 silver drachmas. That's a lot of money. And he sent it to the temple in Jerusalem to have sacrifices offered on behalf of those slain in battle. Friends, this business about praying for the dearly departed, uh, that's an example 200 years before this. Um, why, don't, um, why don't all Christians have Second Book of Maccabees, First Book of Maccabees? Father Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, said, you need to take that out. What if I said, I'm a Catholic priest, what if I said, we need to take out the, the Gospel of St. John? Yeah. Uh, you say, well, you're crazy. Uh, exactly. So why can he get away with it in the 1500s, 1500 years after? And uh, the thing is, that and other readings got in his way. Um, friends, to pray for the dead, especially our veterans in this month of praying for the dead, is to... Uh, is, to, is to recognize they gave everything they had to live on and they died. They died uh, protecting us and our freedom. Um, so uh, this generosity, that, um, that doctor who taught parents how to raise kids, um, um, parents can teach their kids generosity um, only one way, by first being generous to each other and to those around them. Um, and then from there, the kids, you just have to repeat that about a, a million times a day, and over a period of, say, 40 years or so, we might get it, right? So um, um, this, uh, this woman is to us an example of such mercy. Every act of mercy like that uh, reminds us of this, which happened on Good Friday. Um, the conquest of Mexico started on Good Friday, uh, April 1519. It's, it's amazing to see the cross. Everywhere you look, you find the, the, generous, the generous mercy of God uh, reflected in this woman. Um, a poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.